Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. As you know, well, as this episode is coming out, you definitely know, at least you think you know what has happened. There has been a lot on Twitter. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what should have happened. I should have been um, away from my home in the Latvian countryside, enjoying our national holiday that is dedicated to beer and cheese, and having fun and relax relaxing from the war. But, but then, as things started happening, as I follow the events, yeah, you know, um, I'm here. There's a bunch of friendly people and, and people I'm meeting for the first time ever. And I'm in a strange strange place where, you know, you, you have to be sociable and nice. And then I just went away from our massive party, which was intended to be a party. And then I decided to sit down and work since 7 p.m. to 4 2024 a.m. right now. And uh, when I mean work, well, I have learned some things from the time that we did the Kharkiv offensive. Instead of blatantly tweeting out things, I did a bit of relaxing, took a gander at what other, what other people were saying. My report said that this should be paid no attention to, that this is just a theater. Well, sadly, even if it is, it's a very grim theater. If it isn't, I wish it actually kind of is. But I don't think it's empty. Definitely not. I have my own theory, which I'll try to explain, with all the evidence that I've gathered. Because, yeah, while, uh, while a bunch of other people were just blatantly throwing out things from Telegram with, with Russian media said, which they didn't because no one had sources, we sat on Discord, and first there were just few of us, have to give credit to, to Subtle Knife and, and other guys in Saudi... You know, you know who you are, great people of mine who helped me out. We sat and meticulously analyzed everything that we could to get ridiculous actual evidence and, and threw away what was uncertain and stupid and not known and what looked totally fake. And then, furthermore, we um, looked at all the special news program, like the big, big one they showed in Russia and totally weird times for each they got Skabeva, but I'll get to that later. And then we watched all the news things. And at that point, we were quite a lot of us. And we watched together. I think we're going to do that again sometime, but just maybe not this late at night. But yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm off from this recording because the special emergency news program, it just ended. And I don't mean ended like they started, like, you know, they even ended the story. No, it literally was cut off in a half a word, and then they started showing uh, Fighting Daughters, kind of a TV series movie. We saw a lot of weird Russian ads and Russian propaganda. But everything to the point. This needs to be explained point by point. And then I'm going to tell you how it seemed to me. And I might be wrong. I might be. But I'm a journalist and I take my job seriously. And I have my arguments. So, well, I am not a military expert or a tactics expert. But I know how to do my research and I know people and I know Russian culture. And I know what someone is trying to say with the Russian propaganda. So, what's happened there? And again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that this is just something weird that I haven't, you know, gotten some parts of in understanding things. So, let's go. At the beginning, Prigozhin makes his video. That's a fact. He made this video, he spoke in it, and uh, there was timestamps and time checks. He even made this during the same time when he said he did. After that, uh, the Ministry of Defense, by the way, in the video he claimed that uh, 
Well, Wagner Group, this is the first video. Wagner Group had been struck by basically struck by basically um, army rockets and lots of Wagner guys were dead. And then he made the second video where he said that, you know, he's going on a route, he's going to clean up the place, he's going to go to Moscow, made all these threats. Ministry of Defense then denied specifically that he's um, that they've they've shot any rockets. And this is an important fact here. They for the most part, very rarely, like only a few random posts in, in lesser channels, only they kind of deny that this could be a theater on Russian side. On the pro-Russian side as well. They specifically deny only the fact that they had hit things with missiles. This plays a part because to me it kind of shows intentionality. I mean, there are two things. Like, you know, you can say everything is fine. They don't. But Russia says everything is fine even when it totally isn't. So now, by omitting this thing, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, Prigozhin is totally a rebel. Weird. But that was the weird, first weird moment of all the situation, because every time, you know, every time someone posted something, it was always nothing substantial. Someone told, other one told, people even started posting these things, it was like, Russian media reports. Well, I know Russian media, and they didn't report. A lot of people helped me with this. It's like, no sources, no pictures, nothing. We, we got at one point something that said, oh no, tanks in the Russian metro, it's just, you know, a, a picture of a, of a grid somewhere making noises. And none of the videos you've seen out, the, out there, and I've been looking through all of them, and it's 4.30 a.m. in the morning, we haven't seen this supposed 25,000 uh, men column anywhere that's lasting for 50 kilometers. It's This was a bit of a bedlam. But again... Thanks to the many people who came to our Discord, we got through it. And we, we understood that what was happening, happening in Western media, for the most part, the one that was up, and surely not on Latvian media, because again, this is a national holiday and it was not supposed to be doing any of this. It was all shady, sketchy. See, normally when Prigozhin says that he's won something, he shows things. He's, he's stood on a mountain of corpses. Now he claims he's doing something and, you know, it's just words. And everything we got is Russian media says no links, no links nowhere, no pictures that can be geolocated, nothing. For a long while there, we just had uh, basically nothing to go on. We, um, at one point when we, we understood that, you know, there are some channels that I trust, uh, namely BBC Russia and Nexta. And Nexta, by the way, uh, they did alarmist things at the beginning that they had to retract as well. But BBC Russia, whom I trust with their sources because they're professionals, posted that there are like block posts going out and, and Siloviki, the, the strength structures are just pushed out. And then we found out that Pigozhin had been declared a criminal and that Peskov very evasively said that measures are being taken, Putin is being informed. The fact that Putin being informed is also like a thing because, you know, they actually said those things, but all he got was people saying things. And then BBC gives us a, the road which we find on the map where they're supposed to be going. And then we scoured through uh, scoured through all these notifications and Telegram channels and various pro-war uh, like guys and found out, you know, places where someone had supposedly seen this whole, you know, column of 50 kilometers and 25,000 men. And then we put it on the map because they have been stopped at the blog post. The blog posts are on that road. 
then obviously it should be like it should like at least cross that road and it was weird now i have a friend who's with the military here and he said you know local knowledge might help them avoid this but it's still twenty-five thousand men in a huge column and it was all focused around rostov and don and and they moved there now the thing is uh first of all on the internet a lot of pictures were spawned from rostov and don obviously but you know the problem is that uh I don't even know why the people don't even check the sites because in, in Russian media they have this thing that they just plaster over you know their logos, and so we sat down at a local Rostov-on-Don regional news site where people who actually live in the city comment on, and they had pictures that they have like yes an increase of military tech military tech somewhere there inside. However, I am also a smart man that speaks Russian, therefore we um, basically read the comments section. And if you read the comments section, it's all very much weird because people were like, what the hell? It's been always like this. It's like next to Ukraine. We have war. What? No one's panicking. Everything's going on super smooth, super smoothly. Everything was sort of just going on there. It was just sort of normal. Strange. No one was panicking. And again, the, everyone was just rushing in front of the events and everything. What happened then is that, well, that was into a mess. We These pictures that we saw and, and cars in Moscow and all this stuff, it was nothing conclusive. Like, seriously, all the pictures that everyone claims is something crazy, they're not geolocatable. Maybe at this point, as I'm recording this, maybe there's something. But, but from 7 p.m. to 4 a.m., we didn't find anything that would concretely say, oh yeah, this is it, this is conclusive. Nothing hard. And we all know that we're talking about Russia and Prigozhin, and Prigozhin is one of the prison culture people, and the Russian government lies constantly. Those that uh, saw the, the thing that we watched later on, they understood this. But yeah, at this point we're just grabbing through things. I took a small break to think about the situation, and I thought, you know, originally I honestly thought that Prigozhin is doing this tall, uh, you know, uprising. I don't believe that myself, personally. Again, I want to be wrong. It's just that my version is way more crazy and evil than uh, than that one. I have two versions. One, one is the version light, and one is the version brutal. Because I remember day's events, and like I said, I read through everything, and it was just someone just claiming something. It's panic, people seeing things, one random tank, crazy. Yes, there's these things. Russian people are extremely specific about what they deny. It just looked iffy. And even everything Prigozhin says is just weird. Again, might be wrong, but hey, I we, we have, uh, after this, like during the night also, Ukraine was shot at by rockets. And, well, that we have evidence for. At one point, Russian Ministry of Defense stated that during this whole mess of Prigozhin's betrayal, they openly say Prigozhin's betrayal, they claimed that um, that 35th and 36th brigades of, uh, of infantry of the Ukrainian army had attacked on Bakhmut. But then we got a confirmation from people in Bakhmut saying that they, this is not the case. So they lied with that. Uh, stupid things like uh, pulling out Surovikin and to say, you know, very vague things to Prigozhin and getting up random soldiers, which, you know, with no, like, timescales and date and anything available, canned stuff. No, it didn't look convincing. 
what it did look like is that they were trying to convince you that, yes, yes, it's Prigozhin, it's evil. Yeah, Prigozhin is doing this, definitely. They are specifically, you know, no, in normal cases, such, to such a great level, they would not be doing this. They, they deny their own, like, things. They, they overplay everything. They just know. No matter what happens, they deny that something is wrong. They they never admit it. I it's just unthinkable. All the time Putin just enlarges successes and everything. It's it's the it's Girke and everyone else who just calls them living in the planet of of pink ponies. Does this look like living in a planet of pink ponies? And if I'd seen them actually rebel and do these things, well then you know I might agree. But we're weirdly specific in knowing their modus operandi. And knowing especially yesterday's um, resolution, which I think plays a great part in this situation. Because this is where I have to introduce the things that I did yesterday night. Then I had like slept for three hours. See, yesterday I was on my report while um, United States senators came out and made this resolution that basically amounted to the most brutal possible resolution the United States could make about, uh, you know... If, if any explosion happens in Ukrainian territory or like Russian territory, Belarusian territory, anything nuclear, we're going to go and decimate you. I think that's, that was the exact words. Because, well, obviously, I think they thought it was a real threat. A real threat of that happening somehow. Then, the next morning, an obvious, super fake, clumsy a clumsy FSB arrest happens. Like, utterly dumb. And when we watch this on video, it's like, you know, handling cesium with bare hands, no equipment, uh, wrong procedure, giving Ukrainian citizenship, Russian citizenship, all the citizenships to all the guys in Azerbaijan. It's like, it was so clumsy and fake. It was just stupid. Now, my original theory at that point was the fact that, you know, uh, Russia had gotten afraid of... Uh, this United States threat, as it was very serious. Although a lot of people in Europe still take it skeptically, because, you know, words are words, but things are a bit different. I disagree, I actually think it's a pretty serious threat, but we'll get to that part. And then, you know, this arrest, this arrest happens and nothing is, is, is thought of it. But then, after reading these regional news, and then, you know, someone says that in Moscow something doesn't work, and we fact-check, and we fact-check every little thingy, I decided that I will personally trust only the Rosto local news things, and we also checked where uh, where, where planes fly and ge try to geolocate something. Nothing hard. On the theory that this is a coup, like this is an armed coup. I'm sorry, but I just don't see the evidence for that there. Thing is, I took a break to kind of get my brain in order, and I started thinking, okay, if this is a coup then obviously, you know, you want to win. But I do not see at all how, you know, how this coup even exists. It was too shady, it, not enough evidence, it was just all over the place and very unbelievable. And then I started thinking, okay, but who benefits if this fails? Like, Putin doesn't? Prigozhin doesn't? I couldn't I couldn't find out, find out a way how, how this would make sense and click into my head. But then we found out that there's going to be this very special uh, late night. It started out like at, at I think 2 a.m. 
uh, Moscow time or 1 a.m. Moscow time. It was a long one, kind of this very special TV show, news show on uh, Russia 1. And it was a bizarre experience. But that show put a lot of things in my pl in place, and this is where I this is where my theory kind of starts clicking together. And I, again, I hope I'm wrong, but I will tell you my arguments because for one, this coup theory, well, doesn't seem to be existing. If it is, it is the lousiest coup that is over at this point, and then Prigozhin is just gonna lose. But I I think that I think that I can show that there is arguments for other options that involve. Ev backstabbings and double dealings, of course, but are very plausible once you think about them. And again, I hope I'm wrong. If I am, I'll just lose $10. If I'm right, on the hardest and most brutal case, we lose much more. So this program starts, and in the first part, the, they denounce Prigozhin. Prigozhin's in, in the, like, persona non grata. Everyone's denounced Prigozhin completely. Everyone very openly says that he's evil openly denying, by the way, the only thing being denied, which is surprising, is very specifically, like, they don't deny anything else that has happened, not happened, whatever. They deny specifically uh, the fact that they shot missiles at the Wagner base. By the way, Wagner base that was shot at the missiles, yeah, we couldn't find it. We looked for it. We even, like, a guy checked NASA maps. And my VPN doesn't work here. I'm in the middle of nowhere. And, and there were people, like, literally sharing their screen going onto the sides that I needed. It was a true teamwork. I, I really, you know, I couldn't have done this alone. My Discord are true kings and masters, and I love them. And, and a lot of them are my patrons. Uh, yeah, we, we ran basically an impromptu international newsroom for this, and we did good. And again, a lot of people say that my ideas are weird, but I have arguments. And again, I can be mistaken, but if I'm right, and some people are not, then, you know... So what happens is that we turn on this show, and in the beginning it's usual damn Prigozhin, but then the weird part starts happening. The whole show, at the beginning, everyone was super, super, super nervous. Like, they were literally dragged there. Their mainstream, like, shows, Skabeva and everyone, like, experts, everyone. It, it was, like, very hastily put together, they were very nervous in the first parts, and then they kind of calmed down and became their sinister themselves. They truly did look sinister. I think they were told to. Because at one point they looked like they're all going to get shot. It was obvious that they were like going there. Uh, of course, any rumors about you know searches and stuff. Uh, apparently in the Rostov they did search some cars at one point. It was all weird because back because there is Rostov which I'm following, and then there is this TV show which I'm explaining to people because again I can't see uh, Russia One TV in Latvia, but we have an American friend who, again, just put it and streamed it on our screen, and then we sat down and watched it, and by the end we were like, like, what? Close to 20, 30 people even at the highest points. So, we're there. And it's a systematic teardown. They, they're saying nothing new. They're tearing down all these facts systematically, and they're, they're focusing on why Western countries are evil. Specifically, they just pick up everything that says, you know, plays into their arguments. They pick Andrzej Duda's most, most crazy statements. Like, there was a segment for Poland, segment for United States, segment for Australia. The I, th I think on this this show, like, they, they showed everything like three times or something about the squatting Australians and this, this kind of court case there. I won't tell it to you beat by beat, but the whole thing was that it was a message of hate why all these countries are very evil, supreme evil beings, like, who are evil and want to destroy Russia completely. Then they had a very specific segment about how it 
how basically a United States uh, can't achieve military victory anyways, so, you know, so their threats of attacking are useless, and, and how they, you know, how they will not ever make a deal with Russia that Russia would accept, and at the same time, how they will always demand more deals that, uh, you know, they will force through. Then they started speaking about their own failures in conventional weapons and pretended to call someone on the front lines. And like I said, this is 3 a.m. in the morning for Russia. Got someone to tell about, honestly, about all the difficulties Gitkin's been saying about. You know, yeah, we failed initial attacks, showing that conventional attacks are also kind of not good. You know, we can't do this in conventional way either. And then Skabev says one interesting thing that made me think, so what, nuclear war left? Meanwhile, Rostov, by the way, Prigozhin uh, at that point doesn't say he's right. What's happening there is that, again, rumors, everything is messed up. But then I start thinking, nuclear war, what? Then they also spoke about the Putin's typical thing that he's always been cheated and tricked and everything. And then it struck me. Look, we all know that uh, the threats were made yesterday and the United States would not make such threats if the, the threat was, was incredible. Right? But they didn't stop the real threat. It wasn't like I said, the pulling off the operation at the last moment. It was fully whole cloth, stupid, out of nowhere. So the real threat is still there, right? And then he turns out on being cheated. Then, by the way, all day long I waited for the Russian propaganda's response. Even mention of these United States threats. Huge threats. I wanted to say what their propaganda measure would be. I thought the whole arrest thing was kind of, you know, Putin letting Biden know that he's, you know, backing off. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, I've been following this all day long. None, none of the war correspondents, except Nexta, by the way, which is why I respect them. But none of the pro-war war correspondents even mentioned this. It was in none of the news. It was like they were told not to talk about it at all. It needed an introduction. And the introduction of this very brutal threat came from the fact that after a long hour of totally vilifying the West in every possible way, with nonsense arguments, you don't even... The, they were the typical thing that you've heard all over the place. Like, West is evil, West always cheats. At one point, they even started uh, accusing the United States that, uh, through some bizarro arguments, that the systems are the same. Look, uh, United States is corrupt, we are corrupt, we have no democracy, United States has no democracy... And then they dare to accuse us for not, for like, they're, they're being mean and accusing us of doing something bad. And after all this triad, when they also, when they also have confirmed in this very special thing, very special thing, by the way, it, it is all only about this. Prigozhin is only in the beginning. Then they start talking about the nuclear option. And they truly make it sound like a deal is impossible. Oh, and they focus only on the United States. Only one. They, they just blame the United States for everything. Uh, they didn't even concern, concern Ukraine. They also pulled off the fact that Ukraine is still worried about any threats. And they should be because Russia, you know, removed only the fake ones. And they use this as an argument, you know, you know, might... They all think we are evil anyways. They can fake it. They can, we can do whatever. They will always say that we did. And there's always this implied, might as well do it, Right? Especially when you've established that you can probably withstand NATO's assault, that they've always backstabbed you, that the deal is impossible, that they're all super supremely evil. 
this was a clear legitimation, legitimization, to me at least, from what I saw in that show, of selling nuclear war to the country. Blatantly. Afterwards, they said, like, and they even, like, it, it was point by point of that. Why we need to use them, why we can't, like, choose. It was the same stupid justification as with this war. You know, we have no other choice except now it is nuclear. And they openly said this. Later on, when the when they went, like, cause this went for a long time, they even put, like, news on, and they picked, the like, hateful news and everything. It seemed like they were dragging something out. And then, you know, they also spoke about how great uh, Donetsk People's Republic's uh, crisis warrior, crisis, like, resolvers are, and how first responders are great, and how, you know, we can deal with a lot of issues, how we've dealt with a lot of fires, showing that, you know, you don't even need to worry if, if some something happens to you. At the same time, we get the note that, uh, after, as, as this is going on, that there are helicopters around in Belarus, that uh, Prigozhin says he's entered Rostov on Don, then for a bit there, the locals, locals report that there's a curfew, and that cars are checked, and that apparently there was an order for helicopters, 20 of them, MI8, to just fly somewhere. And then planes too. This, by the way, later it gets instantly kind of removed. And later on, interestingly enough, is that uh, the guys in the local newspaper, small one, and in the comments they also report that, yeah, we, we saw them take up, like, but then they were gone, we were told they were on patrol there to protect us from Prigozhin, but they're just gone. And there aren't massive posts about Tondo Prigozhin, there are armed police there in the city. Yes, and there's some order. But by the end of the episode, even that was gone. And the, the, at one point, cameras, like surveillance cameras and all of Rostov were truly shut down, and they also came back later on. And then it hit me. Then it kind of hit me. I mean, <laughs> like, Russia positioned itself to, you know, they, they lie constantly and they lie blatantly about a lot of things. That's not a surprise for anyone. And I think this is from Putin's prison culture. I have two options here. I'll start with the good option. The good option is that it was, it was also mentioned that uh, at that point I stopped looking at all the war corps because that was stupid. They were just continuing on random things and stuff. We were just watching the whole propaganda issue with everyone. And I, I consulted my views and people said it's kind of not likely. And guys on my, my report where people went and spoke with them also said that, you know, they have military experts there and that I'm quite likely wrong, and I hope I am, but look, I'll put these arguments together and then you decide, because again, to me, it looked like this. They, in the morning, you know, they send out these whole, you know, they do the fake thing, and all the while they blame it on the United States. It was kind of like, United States did this. They portrayed it as, as if, you know, we are betrayed constantly all the time, and look, yet another betrayal, an attempted nuclear attack. And look, United States say, if we do nuclear thing, then they declare war on us. And look, conventional war does not work for us, we must go nuclear. Now, I was totally pessimistic and at one point really afraid, but I, I actually admit that there's another option which is great. They also posted that Biden's watching this. Yes, Biden was watching this. And if I got the vibes, and they were quite clear vibes, that these guys were literally saying that when they were speaking about this kind of legitimization of nuclear power, it's like, it wasn't said directly that we, they should go to war with the United States over something. But it was heavily implied that they would have the moral right because they chose to present the very news about the whole report in the exact right moment. 
after they had justified that they have no other option, all this stuff. It was beautiful propaganda, but utterly stupid, especially when they kind of, you know, showed totally fake videos, and we had a lot of fun watching exploding tanks again and everything. Like, it was weird. So, yeah. I think the good option is that uh, Prigozhin's stunt was just so stunning. And, of course, you know, Prigozhin's own thing is that Prigozhin's stunt was just there, to get Biden watching. Make it important enough to make sure that Biden watches this show. Because it was like super late at night. It, it went up to... It started from like 2 a.m. And, and, um, 2 a.m. in Russia. Ended up like 5 a.m. in Russia. At the time where like, you know, it's a Saturday. People are sleeping. Meanwhile, it would be pretty good time in Washington, D.C., right? If not for Biden, then for intelligence community. I think this was kind of a thing that... Uh, look... The good option is that, look, dudes, you can't just threaten us like that. This is our plan, how we will justify this, and, you know, let's negotiate. It was a clear message that, oh, Biden, you think you've beaten me? Really? You know, all this stuff that Putin can't back down, this macho culture, all this prison thing. This is Putin, this is Putin blatantly trying to intimidate the United States and Biden in general. And I think he's still going to do it. This is not over. The story's not over yet. The worst part is that I think that uh, Putin might be crazier and that as the real threat is still in place, let me remind you that we don't know if that has moved. The cesium story, that's bullshit. That's the excuse. That's to say that, oh, you United States, because, you know, you can't you can't really go to war and, and drop nukes and threaten to drop nukes just because someone is giving you a stare and talking and is supported by political community. Putin played by prison rules. And I think, you know, I think there were talks going on. I hope there were talks going on. Of course, we have heard nothing from Putin himself, even though he's supposed to be in charge. He also has made, like, no statements. The only statement he made was uh, one dedicated Children's Day, where he ominously, by the way, to a very interesting uh, voice, he didn't speak, like, anything nice. He spoke about the future and how it's, this time is for Russia. They also stated that this could be the breaking year for Russia if they use the right tools, implied, all the time, like, constantly. So, yeah, I think... it. And the best case scenario, this was this was just a way how to get talks with the intelligence community at the at the at the worst case. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure that by the end of this day we won't see a nuclear explosion. I wish we don't. And if we don't, I lose ten euros. But knowing Putin, knowing prison culture, and knowing that this whole show, this theater, was not innocent. It was all about this nuclear threat. While all the while, by the way, rockets were firing or flying over in Ukraine. Knowing that, yeah, man, this is either stupid scare tactics, insane scare tactics, uh, just to the insane levels, or something even way, even way worse. I'm sorry, I might be wrong, but this this is what they were trying to say in their propaganda. We watched it together with a bunch of people, and this is what I got from it together with the actions, using the whole fake procedure as justification, knowing about the threats, knowing that Putin doesn't like to lose. Oh, boy. It's either big scare, it's like the final saber-rattling. Or, you know, I, I hope that it is just final saber-rattling that there are talks happening. I wish to be wrong, but at one point I was really scared that holy shit, what if, what if uh, you know, Putin's generals hasn't, you know, like, 
they they won't won't be able to like bomb drop him. That would be stupid and suicidal. Yes, but man, that was scary. That was genuinely scary. And I'm the guy who says nuclear war is impossible. I have been always stated that Putin will never basically drop nukes because of various reasons, you know, because of the, everyone on the Gherkin side. Everyone thinks it's impossible, right? But here, in this propaganda show, he dismantled my whole arguments and explained to everyone, uh, like, basically why he would do it and, and, and what would be his justification and how would he sell it to people. It was mega saber rattly with nukes. And again, I'm not sure... If he doesn't go totally psycho, because if he has decided that, you know, there is no response or talks weren't successful, he might, which is the sad part. Now, the whole thing about other stuff, like Prigozhin, what does he go go with this? One, well, uh, he can just, you know, play to Putin's interests in this case. Imagine this. He left Bakhmut in Donetsk region. We also have Donetsk region focused on in the story about uh, the whole crisis relievers who, who know how to deal with this stuff. And by openly stating that he's in rebellion, not like Ukrainians are going to shoot at him. They say they're attacking in Bakhmut, which they didn't, but... Like, what is the great way how to get a large quantity of troops away from the blast zone? Pretend that, you know, they're going to go and fight against Putin. Enemy of your enemy is your friend, right? So they walk out to Rostov-on-Don, sit into some, uh, you know, they or VIPs or whatever, sit in their helicopters. Not all of them, of course. Some might even go into trucks. <laughs> deal them out to God knows where. We still don't know. We still don't know where uh, they all, these helicopters went. And, you know, you've, you've evacuated a whole military unit. Also, you could evacuate, like, some, some equipment, not like Russia particularly cares about people. And over there in Rostov and Don, they've been shot at, and everyone knows, like, you know, they've, they've been having a lot of issues. They haven't shown the most attachment to people. This is horrific, yes, but uh, it looked like if it was intentional, faking it would solve, solve the benefit of, of doing this. And by the way, near the end of this whole episode, which is super saber rattly, that is when finally Prigozhin posts that, oh yeah, I'm in Rostov and Don. Timing is very important here. And then he leaves, and then, poof, still haven't got any pictures. We have some fabricated tiny videos. Uh, of course, people are kept in curfew at home so that they don't ask stupid questions. Uh, and they will, they're, in my opinion, you can't see this whole 25,000 thing. Blog posts, if they exist, which I also haven't seen any, uh, then they are only there to keep, you know, curious cars from going through. Or maybe getting agents back again. Because again, this whole nuke threat is still in place. We don't know if it doesn't exist. And that's a nice way. You you evacuate Prigozhin. Ukraine is just confused about what's happening. It's a great surprise move. Surprising the enemy is always important. Prigozhin evacuates. Wagner group disperses for a bit. And uh, Prigozhin, with this trick, has shown his loyalty to Putin and has a chance of maybe staying, you know, this stuff. Uh, by the way, this also would explain why Prigozhin has been openly hostile towards Putin. You know, so that people would buy into this fact that he would go into utter rebellion, which is just stupid and we have less evidence for than this whole intentional thing. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like, this is a propaganda plan. A weird thing. I want, I want to know. I, I think it actually might have been Prigozhin's plan himself. Because Putin is a tactician. He gets infused. And if this plan fails, oh no, like, if this is saber-rattling, 
and talks happen with America, well then fine. Okay, cool. Prigozhin's loyal now and, you know, his troubles in the political towers might be gone. Something to gain. On the other hand, think about this. If, if Putin goes totally crazy and drops the nuke, then at that point Prigozhin is, by all means, in open rebellion against him. Then he can't be put to war. Then, then, then you know, Americans will probably ally him. You know, he's in open rebellion with him. He'd look like very friendly to Western world. He could play to be the very first rebel. He would achieve his political ambitions. It's a win-win situation for Prigozhin. And Putin's been pushed up, pushed down by, by an extremely powerful United States speech. And Prigozhin's cunning. That much we know. He is really cunning. So, is it that far-fetched to think that Prigozhin orchestrates this and, you know, Putin is not who he once was. He looked quite aged and, and some of these uh, whole things and um, yeah they also showed good medical equipment and they spoke about how uh, by the way to soften the blow they also st stated in the fact that Ukraine already has you know TikToks about how to protect yourself from nuclear blast and they've been all given iodine tablets so basically you know even if we drop them like it just damages the military civilians will be mostly okay and will help them and it's fine Look, literally, everything was all about, like, nuclear thing. If you watch it from this perspective, it just, I don't know, it, it kind of clicks in my brain. And now, I don't know where Prigozhin is. His videos are there, and they're not convincing at all. And they're just there to keep up the appearances. Because I think the talks might not be over. And which is why I will believe that there will be a nuclear blast when I see some sort of evidence and some conclusion to this. But Prigozhin, it's win-win. And with his ties with organized crime, which he had been arming, yeah, God knows what happens next. The problem is, is that they even said what they wanted in the negotiation table. They said it openly in the whole speech. They want Biden to force Kiev to sit down at the negotiation table. Force Kiev to accept a loss or something, so that they would get a real win, Right? And the thing is, if he does that, then, you know, NATO falls apart and for the most part. Maybe this is this is a whole other thing. And I'm not even saying, like, if I would if I would think this was Putin's plan, I would be, like, dismissing it completely. But for Prigozhin, yeah, this looked smart to me. Now, of course, uh, everyone on the war correspondent side is obviously stating that uh, currently that Prigozhin has failed. We will see what is happening. Uh, they are all very pro this whole thing. But uh, let me remind you, they also were obedient in not even mentioning, not even the most pro-war, pro-Russian guys. They mentioned not even a single post. These ho this whole massive, very politically important my report and American friends told me like how insanely potent that, that whole threat was from the United States. They didn't mention it in a word until the right time came. And then at all at once they started agreeing in one voice that uh, yes, yes, Prigozhin betrayer, Prigozhin betrayer. That's his backup net. If he fails, you know, he can say, ah, cunning plan, we win, great. If Putin loses, he hopes to gain safety. Now, you now people have told me that, you know, no one believes that Biden's intelligence is so stupid. But it's about the optics now, isn't it? Especially these days. And they mentioned Biden's elections and all this stuff. Again, very well threats. I think this is meant for Biden and it's kind of a, what what, what you going to do now? Let's talk. Do you want to talk? Push, push Kia to talk. 
I'll go to sleep. This study needs a conclusion. But these are my things with no hype. And everything that is not basically fact, that wasn't there, that I didn't see myself on the show, or that wasn't confirmable, by throwing out all the bullshit, what remains, you know, and this time it really does sound stupid, whatever remains, however impossible, must be, you know, something. I don't remember the Sherlock Holmes quote, sorry. But, um, yeah, Putin does crazy actions. Crazy ones. He does bombings and all this stuff. This would be his modus operandi. Let's, uh, let's see how this develops. I mean, seriously. And, uh, yeah. Prigozhin also, I think, has some things up in his sleeve. Because, for one, for one, it would be easy for Putin to backstab Prigozhin somehow, but what would he get of it? And with Prigozhin's ties to organized crime, if I am correct, then he won't let himself be arrested. But let's see, shall we? You have heard my arguments, which are based only on the provable facts and, well, what was clearly obviously visible from their special thing, which was clearly aired at one target audience, Mr. Biden. До свидания, товарищи. Happiness is mandatory. And, uh, yeah, did some real work. Oh, boy. Oh, and guys, to those of you who are my patrons, thank you. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to become patrons of the show and support content like this one, because we do try really hard here, please go to patreon.com slash border. Or, you know, if you want to help out directly, because we're really, really planning our trip to Ukraine right now, we have a date, the latest 22nd. It's it's all about the, how the driver guy uh, gets to talk with the German guys. Yeah, if you'd click the donate button on the on the the webpage the Eastern Border LV, that'd also be nice. You can listen to shows out for you there. Oh yeah, and uh oh, we're gonna have to make some new contingency plans. Obviously new episode as soon as things update, I just wanna breathe in some fresh air. Wow, it's been a rough night. <laughs>